Hello and welcome to another episode of the Detox Podcast, a culture and conversation podcast where you can detox from the world around you and get a window into how other people live their lives. Come detox with detox. I'm your host, Joe Sean. On today's episode, I was thrilled to welcome back former guest Jordan Shapiro to the podcast. Jordan was on the show previously when I was live at Dad 2.0 in 2019. We discussed his book at the time, The New Childhood, but this time we discuss his latest book, Father Figure, How to Be a Feminist Dad. Jordan and I dig into the book and we go deep. We go into the deep, deep science about testosterone. We're talking about the patriarchal society. How do we rebuild a new narrative now that we've destroyed the old one and everything and anything in between. You're definitely going to enjoy it. Before we get started, I do want to let you know that today's podcast is brought to you by Empire Toys. Nostalgia is something everyone loves, and Empire Toys in Keller, Texas is on Nostalgia Overload. With toys and action figures from the 70s, 80s, 90s, and today, Empire Toys is a one-stop shop for a trip down memory lane and a chance to reclaim what was once yours but likely sold at a garage sale. Check out Empire Toys on Facebook, Instagram, or at TheEmpireToys.com. Now, if this is your first time to the Detox Podcast, welcome. I hope you enjoy your time here and that you're able to kick back, relax, and just detox 45, 50, 60 minutes. If you have listened to the show before, welcome back. We're excited that you have come and we hope that you get something out of today's episode as well. Now, if you like the podcast, please be sure to like it, subscribe, share, download, recommend it to a friend, rate, review, whatever you want to do. It really helps out independent podcasts like this one. So without further ado, my conversation with Jordan Shapiro will be right up after this. What's going on? My name is Joe Shaw, and I host the music podcast After the Encore. After the Encore is a long-form career retrospective podcast that takes you behind the music of some of your favorite artists. Musicians like John Oates of Holland Oates, Chris Kirkpatrick of NSYNC, and Jarrett Reddick of Bowling for Soup, and many others. Each season of the podcast is themed around a different topic, like the boy bands of the 90s, badass women in music, or even artists that were featured on the TV show, The Voice. I am committed to taking you deep inside an artist's mind to find out why they do what they do, what does music mean to them, and how do they quantify success. We tell an overarching story which will take you not only behind the music, but into the psyche of the artists themselves. After the Encore is a proud member of the Roberts Media Group podcast family, Check us out on any of your favorite podcast platforms today. Welcome back to the Detox Podcast. With me at this time, I'm super excited. It's been a lot longer than I would have liked, but I'm happy to welcome him back to the show, Jordan Shapiro. Jordan, how are you doing today? 
Oh, I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me. Um, it's hard in pandemic times because I want to, I always want to say it's great to be here, but I'm not anywhere. I mean, I am home. Right. <laughs> you can't say it's great to be here. It's right, <laughs> right. I know exactly what you mean. You know, I was reflecting on the last time we recorded, which was two years ago in San Antonio for Dad 2.0. And we were discussing uh, all the intricacies of Whataburger. So I just want to like close the loop. Did you get Whataburger while you were there? I the important question. <laughs> I did get I did get I did get the Whataburger when I was there and um you know it's no in and out burger but oh, it's, uh... <laughs> get out of here with that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I like it. I, I like to try all the all the things, you know, I'm really into like the but you know the re regional food and especially those like regional food chains. So it was yeah. it was I don't remember what I got. Um but, you know, it was good. Let's just yeah. put it that way. Well, I'm excited to one day come to Philly and get a cheesesteak because I love the cheesesteaks I've had, but I know that they cannot compare, I'm assuming, to what is homegrown uh, in the city of brotherly love. Yes, that's true. That's true. There's nothing. There's nothing. There's nothing quite like it. I'm. I'm up. I'm. I'm. I'm getting up there in in the numbers of age of ages that, <laughs> <laughs> and so I can't quite digest them nearly as well as I used to. But that doesn't stop me from 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 get from getting one once in a while. <laughs> well, I am excited to have you on the show today because we're going to be talking about your latest book, Father Figure, How to Be a Feminist Dad. Last time you were on, we talked about the new childhood. And so I think this is a great uh, next conversation to have as we're thinking about the evolution of how parents should consider some of these um, uh, system ways of thinking that are ingrained into us and how to break apart the systems and look at it with a new lens. So I'm excited to dig into that. Before we start, I want to level set the episode. So here at the Detox Podcast, we are a podcast where we invite the listeners to detox from the world around them, get a window into how other people live their lives, and we're all trying to make a more inclusive world. So just to level set, Jordan, I'd like to ask you, what are you currently detoxing from? Oh, that's a that's a hard question. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I'm in the middle of a, I'm in the middle of a book launch, so I so I, I feel like I'm not detoxing from anything. That's it. <laughs> I'm just Fair. I'm just con constant uh, constant stress, constant anxiety, constant work. But so feel so blessed to have the life that I have. So um, I don't know. I mean, I guess if I had to say anything, you know, it's a, it's something that I think I was doing from the very beginning of writing Father Figure which is really, really um, trying to get rid of the, the, the problematic things that, that show up as interactions with, with my kids. Um, um, I'm sort of, you know, I'm, I'm committed to that and it's a really hard thing. So, you know, so no matter how hard, hard you try, you still go to sleep some nights and say, oops, I screwed up again. Um, yep. <laughs> so, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm working, I'm working on that, but I guess that's not a detox because the tox is still there. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it's like a daily detox, like a dump, yeah. like a, you know, emotional dump of, Oh no, this is what's going on. Um, well, I'm, I'm excited to talk about father figure because I think there's such um, you bring it up quite a quite a bit in the book as far as a as a historical almost I would say negative connotation with the word feminist and so I heard you on a discussion today where a lot of folks would say you know they would agree with the idea of like well I'm I'm all for equality I'm here for um, you know I support equal rights I support equity and equality and inclusion but if you say are you a feminist folks shy away from the word because of historical. Um, 
historical uh, ideas that we've put around the word and the trappings of it. So I want to start by just asking you to, as you do early on in the book, kind of define what a feminist dad is, and then why was this the motivation for the book? Yeah. Um, yeah. And absolutely. The, the, there's a lot of resistance to the word. There's places in the book where I call it the F word, right? Yes. With, the, with, the, with the whole idea that, that, that people are so, so resistant to it. And part of the reason people are resistant to that word is because of, a you know, intentional propaganda almost. I mean, I'm saying almost because there's no, you know, I don't think there's a secret club where they strategize to do it, but, um, but the propaganda to, to, to fight against the movement for gender equality by, uh, by trying to convince people that feminism was really a much more an aggressive movement to, you know, end men, cancel men or something, some, some nonsense like that. Um, um, which which it's not, I mean, I'm sure there's some people out there who, who might think that way, but, 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 but the, 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 the majority of serious feminists have, have no, have no interest in canceling men. It's, it's about, and here's where we're getting into the uh, the, the the definition it's it, it's really about uh, eliminating oppression or exploitation or subjugation or or inequality that that is maintained through gender stereotypes or because of, of assumed gender difference or because of uh, systemic choices about a gender hierarchy um, and 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 it, it, that's pretty simple right so it just means you're sort of committed to uh, to getting rid of inequality that's based on gender right, right. um and, right. and i and that's why I, what i say in the book and 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 often which is if you ask if most people are they for that they're gonna say yeah absolutely you know i i want i want equality for people um but that that word's got a lot of a lot of baggage uh, i decided to put it right in the subtitle of the book because i wanted to be provocative uh i yeah. i wanted to i wanted to to put the word father and the word feminist in bright yellow on the same cover in bookstores all, all over America. So, um, uh, and, 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 and kind of force people to have to sit with that and think about what that means and to ask questions about it and hopefully to become a little more comfortable with it. I think it's so powerful how you've got it right on the cover and then also on that nice trucker hat too. So there's no, there's no, uh, you know, there's no getting around it. It It's right there. You know exactly what you're getting into. And I think you are going in as a reader, like, okay, let's see, let's see what this is about. And let's, uh, let's get interested. Let's, let's dive in uh, with eyes open. I, I, you haven't, I, I, you know, and it's sort of, it's sort of fascinating because you say that and, and I, there's sort of two, um, uh, I don't know if this is just based on the, the early people who have already read it. Uh, there seems to be two ways people go into it if they're going into it without an open mind. Mm. Um, one is there seems to be a lot of men who go in, right, assuming it's going to be some kind of man-hating book. Um, <laughs> it's going to be full of criticism and it's going to be full of like, you're an evil villain. And it's certainly not that. It's very intentionally a book that that that's that's about helping men do what I think they want to do anyway. Um, and then and then I've heard from a lot of uh, a lot of feminist women who who have 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 
come out and, and supported me and been, been willing to do lots of events with me, who, who many of which have said, you know, I opened the book ready to find everything wrong with it. <laughs> right. so going, what is this? How can you have a feminist dad? Um, and, and, and most of them have said that, that, that they, could, they couldn't find the problem and that ultimately they think I did it really, really, really well, which is, which is a, great, a great compliment. Um, you know, so I, I kind of hope everybody, everybody opens it with an open mind. Um, I, I, I think, uh, at least when I try to write it, when I try to write anything, and you can tell me whether this is true or not, uh, the, 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 the goal is to sort of defy every expectation of what you thought you were going to get when you start. A hundred percent. I mean, I can speak to that from reading The New Childhood and then also from reading Father Figure. It's, it's something I think with both ideas, I went in going, I... So my perspective on both of the books was I am on board with the idea that you are proposing, but I'm skeptical as to like, are we going to get there? Is it actually going to be something that I can put into place and, and can actually comprehend and execute on? And to both, I would say you knocked it out of the park 100% because I feel more empowered from one with the new childhood with a better way to integrate. And it's ironic a little bit that we're talking about the integration of screens and building it into our kids' lives because now look at the last 18 months that we've had to do with our kids and integrating that um, to the best of our ability. And then now with the idea of we're, we're past... We're post a presidential regime where the idea of of gender equality was just like not even on the table as far as the conversation piece. And now we're coming out of that where we have the first ever woman vice president. And so we're, we're trying to like, how do we navigate this this post Trump world? And I think to have a book like Father Figure, which gives you as a parent the tools to equip yourselves and your children for this world is perfect timing for sure. Well, I, I I hope that's true, and and I really do think that um, the book. I, I know the word feminist may may not make people um, assume this from the beginning, but but I really think the issues in the book are are uh, transcend questions of of partisan politics. Yeah. And, you know, I I really tried to do it in a in a way where yeah, certainly I'm I'm a liberal a progressive, but I I tried to write a book that 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 didn't allow those that political side of that to really influence the way the way that I, I presented it. Because again, I think that no matter who you talk to, the majority of people on all sides of the political spectrum are 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 for equality um, right. and are for dignity for more people. You know, we may have very differing different different views uh, uh, within this country of how to get there or what that means. But in the end, I think we're 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 all after more freedom and dignity for more people. A hundred percent. I think it's interesting how you you got the opener and I remember this from having followed your career since dad 2.0 until now but I remember the point where you talk about at the very beginning of the book uh, a review for the new childhood came out and it was framed in a way as divorced dad um, advises and I'm paraphrasing right but advises uh, screens for all like basically bashing you for a perceived idea of what your book was about instead of an actual discussion about the contents of the book and the theory it was framed by your by this idea that you at the as at the time a single dad uh, were somehow unable to properly parent your kids and ergo video games must have just been a babysitting tool and I think it's interesting that you choose that to to start the dialogue about this book about how as a society we are so 
um, enamored with this idea of this patriarchal society and we're framing a lot of our ideas and interactions and conversations through that lens. So what was it like for you to, to have that idea, uh, or not that idea, that experience, and then use it as almost the genesis, the kind of maybe pre-genesis of the idea for this book? Yeah, I mean, in a lot of ways, that was the, the where, where this book grew out of. I mean, I mean, I did want to write a book. You know, I've always sort of dreamed of writing a, a feminist book for men. Um, I didn't know it would become a, a book about fatherhood. Um, that that was sort of the, it just happened. Um, it, it, it was hard. I mean, what I realized in that time, what I realized with the new childhood from that review, from other things, too. I mean, that review was was especially explicit, but there were plenty of other examples of it. Was, was that a being a single divorced dad did not fit the predominant understanding of what it means to be a father figure in the United States of America. Um, and I, that made me go, okay, so what is, what, what is the thing that we all imagine that to be? And I think I, I went into father figure when I first started to do all my research for it. So this is probably almost two years ago now, when I really sat down and, 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 and started all the research, I thought I was going to find like, what are the essential things about what it means to be a father? You know, I, I, my background's in archetypal psychology. I thought I was looking for like the archetype of the father, right. um, but I couldn't find one. Right? I, couldn't, right. I, I, could, I couldn't find those essential things. I couldn't find any good science. I couldn't find um, any good sociology, any good psychology that really held up to this idea that there is something gender specific about yeah. parenting roles right now that i'm not trying to say we you know like that the, i'm not trying to say we shouldn't have gendered parenting in any way it's just we have to remember you know we not that we need it but we, we don't need it and we have to make our choices if you want to do that you know i i happen to be in a in, in a cisgender heterosexual monogamous relationship that looks very much like the traditional family um and and that's fine I, i'm not trying to tell anyone they shouldn't look like that what i'm saying right. is we need to be making those choices with a lot of intention and recognize that most of the assumptions that we've made about what it means to be a dad within that context are choices. And yeah. therefore we can make different choices when we want to. Yes. You have a, a section in your book where you talk about um, the this idea of almost questioning everything. So an example of you're walking with your sons and in, in the toy aisles and saying, I think, isn't it ridiculous that we're sectioning off toys in blue and pink? Like who cares? Right. And then talking about like, why are we saying girls are more, you know, nurturing boys are more rough and tumble. And, and you, you, I watched you on a panel discussion today where you pointed out where you said, yeah, I think historically over time, some of these things, as far as this type of people are more nurturing, these type of people are less so can be true because we have believed it for so long that we're naturally providing the skills and the resources to this specific group of people to be more nurturing. So of course, like over time, that's going to occur as opposed to just stepping back and kind of viewing everybody as an individual and then parenting them or giving them the skills they need on an individual level instead of just sectioning people off into one or the other. But this idea of questioning why are we doing what we're doing can help break down the the assumptions and the biases that we have not even recognized that we've been preconditioned to adhere to because it's been so ingrained for years and years and years. 
Yeah, that's that that's right. Um, um, I mean, you're talking about two things there. I mean, one is that, and I one is this idea that we are certainly socialized to believe certain things about who we are supposed to be, which roles we're supposed to play. You know, what kind of costumes to wear, what kind of actions to take, what kind of uh, you know how you talk, what it means to be who you are, and if your identity is I'm a man, then maybe you're you you start to you start to try to live up to certain aspirational ideas of what that is as are as those ideas are presented by culture and and one of the reasons that i i was talking about how those things start to become sort of a self-fulfilling prophecy is because you see a lot of studies and and it, where where people will claim that they have proven things are innate by by surveying right like, like, like they'll, they'll ask they'll ask you know 10,000 men and 10,000 women some questions about you know do you uh, do you like to take risks don't you like to take risks um uh, um and then they'll say there's something true about that when you get into the deep science the real science not that's not there and you got to make a distinction between those two different things by the way since i brought that up even in those surveys there's all kinds of issues with how things are are, are asked like i just said do you like to take risks well how do you define risks right right, right. If you were to ask a, 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 if the question were, you have a party of 25 people showing up in your house in 10 minutes, do you take the risk and try to bake a cake you've never baked before, right? <laughs> right. Then, then how? Then it's going to be the opposite. Who's the risk taker, probably, right. based <laughs> yeah. on socialization, right. right? So, so all these questions about how we define things also have gender assumptions built in, built in into them. Um, but that that's really why why I why I brought that up. And one of the things I do with my kids and, and I think everyone should do with their kids is constantly question those assumptions with them. Right. And yeah. so, yes, when they were little, I did walk them through the toy aisle and be like, wait, I don't understand. Why do we need an aisle of of pink Lego and an aisle of blue Lego? I don't I don't get what like what's the difference? And of course, they couldn't you know, maybe they tried to explain it. But then I, I, I'm a philosophy professor, so I probe <laughs> really hard and they can't explain it uh, anymore. And they go that, that you're right. Right. It doesn't really it doesn't really make sense. Um, another point I'm making in father figure about that, though, and with that example is that a lot of people, when they would see me do things like that, um, friends, relatives, strangers would look at me like, can't you just let kids be kids? Can't you let, like, why are you ruining their princess yeah. fantasy or their like superhero fantasy? Like, 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 why don't you preserve their, uh, their, you know, they, they have a right to be innocent and naive for a little while. And, and I, it just always struck me as wrong. So that's what I was pointing out in the book, which is, yeah. it seems to me we protect innocence by not socializing them into yes. our absurd things, not by, so not by allowing that socialization to go un, unquestioned. Yes. That is what frustrates me, I think, the most uh, lately as far as a parenting standpoint is this idea, this questioning, this this idea of the, the quote unquote protecting the innocence as far as letting them to exactly what you said, letting them live out this fantasy or not seeing not seeing race is, is one of the things recently. Right. And it's like, well, no, I, we we need to socialize these types of topics with our children in the discussion where we can discuss with them the values that we have that we want them to have. So then they start questioning and trying to find ways in which we can create a better world, essentially, as opposed to just being blind or oblivious to it. And then now they've been conditioned to a certain way, and they're going to act on that accordingly, the older and older they get. You, you brought up, um, so there's, you brought up the point about the um, 
Um, so we were talking about something with nurturing, and I remember this study, and I was trying to, to Google it, and I cannot remember, but I, heard, I read of a scientific study where there was uh, three rooms with different babies. One were dressed in pink, one were dressed in blue, and one were dressed in yellow. And the ones in pink, the peop the parents and the caretakers, you know, were nurturing them more and not letting them fuss. And with the kids in the blue, they were just kind of letting them be rough and tumble. Ah, they'll be okay. They were watching them. They weren't reckless, but they were just kind of letting them be. And then it was kind of two opposites. And then the kids in yellow, the, they found that the caretakers just treated them individually, however the child mm. was reacting, instead of as a as a broad descriptor of this is what this type of babies need. And they used it as a point of like, see, so we're not... So you can say, oh, boys are more reckless or girls are more like easier to understand. And in reality, it's our perceptions that we're placing onto the children as opposed to how they're reacting, as opposed to us just interacting and understanding the child at an individual level, which will help us help them and in turn create uh, the, the child that we would like to have. So. But yeah, that's that, that that's 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 right. Um, I, I think we we do a lot of things and, and you don't even need a study like that to 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 know it. I think anyone I, I certainly had the experience. I, my kids, I, I didn't cut their hair until they were I don't know how old, uh, three, four years old. So they my, my boys had very long hair. And I remember how many people would come up to them and just assume that they were girls mm. because they had long hair and it was it, it became very obvious the different things that they would say many parents have had this experience right where, where they'll talk about uh you know somebody said you know they start to notice that people say very different things strangers say very different things to your kids based on gender assumptions yep. um and 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 that's that's of course that's that's problematic but but the 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 point that you're that you're getting at is is the way that we start to teach them and it may and it makes no sense because even if you were to take the stance that there are innate differences between sexes um which is not a i am from my i shouldn't even say from my perspective from the science is not a valid right <laughs> it's not a valid perspective and honestly if you get into the deep 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 science i'm sure you'll have some listeners who will go that's not what i'm about to say isn't true but i'm going to say it and trust me i have been through all the deep deep science for 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 the last 18 months um um you know even the gender binary doesn't doesn't hold up when you get to deep, you know there there is no such thing as as male female sex when you get into the deep 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 science yeah. of it right those are categories we use which which may or may, which are useful in some cases and are very harmful in other cases and whatever you know that i'm not trying to say we need to get rid of those divisions or those categories but we do have to acknowledge that they are fictional categories that we've created to help us make sense of our world and that and and that the the, the universe doesn't give a crap about those categories right <laughs> You know, that, I mean, just quick sidebar, it was something where I was having a conversation um, with my oldest, um, who's six, and we were discussing this idea, this con the, the idea and the concept of religion. And so I came from a very religious background. I'm spiritual, but I'm not religious in the traditional sense anymore. And so we were discussing, because she had heard someone bring up the idea of church and this idea of community and what does this all mean? And I explained to her, I said, look, we don't actually know what happens when we die and when we move on, I said, so there's a lot of unknowns out there. There's a lot that we feel, but there's a lot that we don't actually know. And I said, religion, church is people's way of trying to explain the unexplainable and they get together in groups and they define what it means for them. And that's great. There's nothing wrong with that as long as they're not harming other people with this idea. And so that was an idea that she could kind of conceptually understand. 
and get, oh, it's trying to understand something that we can't understand. Okay, got it. And it was, and to your point, this idea of the, of bringing it back around, our idea of like the gender divisions, it's our way of trying to put labels and understand something that we're having uh, difficulty not understanding. And as humans, we don't like this idea of not understanding and not knowing. So we need to slap a label on everything so we can go, great, we have tagged it. Now we no longer have to give credence to it because this is what it is. This is uh, a male, this is a female, this is a whatever. And now we don't have to, um, you know, understand it. Right. And so, and, and it just, it, you know, creates all these other things. So you brought up in, a, in an interview, bringing it back around uh, to the book, you brought up in an interview recently that you said you wrote this book. I wrote it down. A quote you said, you said, this book isn't about me. It's about doing the work in service of others. And so what I, w- I would love for you to kind of unpack that quote a little bit for me and how you see Father Figure the, as a book and the work that you've done in service of others. Yeah, <laughs> I'm trying to remember the context in which I in which I said that, and I I'm guessing the context in which I said that was about um, acknowledging that so much of this book is really other people's ideas, sure. right? So yes. much of this book comes from um, a lot of brilliant thinkers before me, um, and and and. And, you know, on the one hand, I, I, uh, you know, point point one, I don't want to be a man coming out there going, now I'm going to write a brilliant book about feminism, right? Like sure. that, yeah. <laughs> that would be pretty counter counterproductive. And, and, and on the other hand, even even if it weren't about feminism, I don't want to perpetuate what, what the, this notion we have of sort of the rugged individual who builds everything himself out of nothing because we are all codependent and yes. interdependent and um and 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 so it, so in that sense what I, what I was saying is is this book isn't about me in the sense that that this is not my like magnum opus this is not i'm not i'm not the, uh, uh, this is not an auteur like like i i wrote this book in in order to help others in order in order to give others uh, um um a way and, and even the way that i wrote the book is not a book about hey here's how you even though it's called how to be a feminist dad, right? Uh, the, the subtitle, it's not about how to be a feminist. Like, I don't give you an answer to right. that. In, instead, what I give you, you know, this is not, hey, here's Jordan's idea for how you should act, right? right. This, here's Jordan's ideas for how you should look, right? right? Instead, I tried to write a book that went, here are tools you can use to evaluate your own behaviors, your own habits of mind, your own, your own ways of interacting with your children, your own ways of interacting with your family, your own ways of interacting with your coworkers and your relatives. I mean, everyone in your life to turn a lens back on yourself, turn that feminist lens towards yourself, interrogate your own actions and make your own decisions, right? I don't say here's the decision you should make afterwards, because I think everybody has the ability to do that themselves. Um, What they need is the ability to, to, to what he needs, the, the, the help unpacking it, because so many of the things we do, in particular as fathers, or at least in particular to this book as fathers, um, are feel so fundamental, feel so um, um, unquestionable at this point, right? They're, they're almost invisible. And so what I wanted to do is unveil the things that we rarely look at and, and say, let's, let's look at these and, go, and, and maybe that'll encourage us to change some of our behaviors. Absolutely. I, you know, this book is about empowering us to 
be live our most authentic selves and really examining what uh, what that looks like. So this is a good segue into today's sponsor, the podcast. It's Snuffy. So Snuffy is a clothing brand about empowering you to show your weird unapologetically with bravery and confidence. 10% of profit goes to LGBTQ plus organizations led by trans people of color. Shop online now at Snuffy.co. That's Snuffy, S-N-U-F-F-Y.co. The owner and operator of Snuffy is good friend of the podcast, Nick Silvestri, who designed the Detox Podcast logos. So if you like the logos, you want to go support them, go check it out snuffy.co all right uh let's talk gaslighting so let's just get (laughs) right into it um and this is interesting to me because i think most people don't know the origins of the word gaslighting i am a theater major uh theater got my undergrad in theater and and theology but theater and so for a time i had bought this play that i saw off the shelf called gaslight and uh, thought, mm, this looks interesting. And for a senior directed play, we had to choose a play and put on a full production. And I considered it and then read it and went, wow, this is quite um, quite interesting. And I don't know that I want to do this play. Um, so instead, I did The Woman in Black, which uh, is interesting and problematic in its own way. <laughs> um, but gaslighting, um, you do a great job of defining it. So for those who, who may not know, I may not do a great job, but in this play, uh, this guy wants to convince his wife that she is going crazy and mad and is intentionally moving things around the house, claiming that she's being forgetful. So she starts to drive herself insane. And if I recall, the gaslighting came from the gas lights dimming when he would go, uh, was it upstairs or would he would go to a different room? It was one, one of those two, correct? I think he was trying to find her family jewels or something like that and he would go in the attic and search around so when you turn the lights on if you have gas lights and you turn the lights on in the attic all the other gas lights dim and so he would search and then she'd go did you notice the gas lights dim is something broken and he'd go you're crazy you don't know what you're talking about and and that's where we get the term gaslighting right and so the way you've de- you've broken it down in the book is talking about the way in which we have I'm writing it down here gaslighting um, the the masculinity and patriarchal society is our way of essentially gaslighting an entire society as to no this is the way it's always been this is the way father knows best right this is the this is how a society is conducted this is the man's job quote unquote and and we're just continually gaslighting ourselves so i would like for you to walk us through how as a society we are gaslighting ourselves with the patriarchy and um <laughs> what what do we do with that information <laughs> Yeah, I mean, well, let, let me let me start by giving. I mean that the, I mean everything you said is 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 right. Um, but I want to I want to give it a more um, concrete, everyday uh, way of, way of thinking about it because I can already hear people going, "Wow." <laughs> um, so 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 let's. Uh, um, I, I mean, an example and one example that I use that we've already talked about, right? And and so I'll I'll, I'll use it. Um, is we create often these narratives of gender difference, right? These are these are created, right? I, only, I in Father Figure, I do a lot of the history of how they're created, the ones we currently have, how they come out of industrial age divisions between home and work, how they come out of the idea that men are that men are now going to factories, and so they have to be kind of tough and all business, and and women have to have to maintain the home, and so they that becomes a play, a nest of nurture, um, and then what happens once you've decided to divide the world that way? 
for economic reasons. And again, I, I, I wasn't there when they divided it. Maybe it made a lot of sense then. And maybe it felt good to most people then. I have no idea. I, you know, I've read some history. We don't see it. It's always hard to do history because history is always, always written to reinforce your current worldview. So you can't, you can't really, you know, unless you're a, a, an expert historian, you're going to struggle at that. Um, but still, that gets invented and that division and that idea that women are nurturers, that idea that women are natural multitaskers, that idea that that women are more emotional, that idea that women are more empathetic, uh, um, that, that, that becomes a role we give them in a social setting. And this idea that men are going to be strong and that men are going to be um, stoic and tough and, uh, and no holds barred, ends justify the means, you know, winner take all, right? That those are roles that made sense for the society uh, for better or worse. Well, once you have that, we start to do things like try to pretend that they are natural and that they are innate. So we often do this with science now, or we'll go, oh, there's science that proves that this is how things should be. Or we go, this is how it's been since the beginning of time. Well, it's not how it's been since the beginning of time. That's a form of gaslighting, mm -hmm. right? When you, when you decide that you're gonna, every time, every time somebody tells you that something has been the same since the beginning, like nothing's been the same right. since the beginning of time, you know, uh, you know, you brought up a religion, right? Like, like, like religions are great at this, right? Religions <laughs> often say, this is how it's always been. Even the religions haven't done things the same right. way. <laughs> right. Right. Like, like Catholicism has been changing constantly for yep. 2000 years. And so the idea that anything was ever static or stable there um, um, is, is just the way that you try to, to, to argue that that the present is perfect and yeah. so therefore don't don't question it um and that's and that's a form of gaslighting that happens in a million different ways all the time i have this i tell my kids this anytime anyone says you're hardwired to do something you should immediately go wait a second that might be a kind of gaslighting because one there's no wires in my brain right and <laughs> right and 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 two like i i like i don't know if we what we're hardwired to do. i don't know that anyone really knows that we're hardwired wired for anything. Usually hardwiring is a way of, of trying to argue that a particular agenda is immutable and unchangeable. Yeah. Um, and there's nothing cultural that's un, that's uh, that's unchangeable. Um, yeah. and, 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 and all of that, you know, uh, we, I used a couple the example I used here is just gender divisions, but there's a million of these things every day where we try to say, that's the way it's always been. That's the way it should be. All of that is, 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 is a form of almost meta gaslighting right? right um of, of uh, um and and that's what cultures do in general um and what we have to do is sort of go where does this ideology of origin stories right because because the science is also a kind of origin story right it's, yeah. it's the same as like an adam and eve i'm not saying that it's that it's false or mythological but it, it serves the same purpose which is to try to give us an understanding of how we got to to who we are and how to make sense of, of our world through some something that feels more immutable yeah. um and and so we have to be we have to be skeptical we have to remain skeptical of those things no good scientist is going to tell you something's immutable right yeah. um although i you know i had a good a good friend who was a chemist and he used to say um he used to say how did he put it um go a scientific law well that just means something we don't understand at all Right. And his, his point being like, we don't get how gravity works. Well, we do get how gravity works. Right. But his point was when we call it a law, it's when we can't it's when we can't break it down any further. Right. 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 right.
<laughs> Otherwise, we wouldn't call it a lot. <laughs> the 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 gaslighting that we have it was it was so. I mean, you can you can start going down a a a, a dark rabbit hole when you when you start thinking about like you presenting it out in the book and and me taking a step back and thinking about like how are the ways in which we on a micro and a macro level gaslight ourselves every single day and it's as simple as telling a, a young girl she's being so bossy right now like you're so bossy like mm-hmm. wow okay maybe what what do you mean by that well you're saying you're assigning a negative connotation to her being loud in the moment instead of just approaching it from a different perspective you're assigning a label to it so now she feels like there's something wrong when she's speaking up or something wrong when she's a little bit louder and so then you know or asking you're in a room with mixed company and somebody needs to take notes and you just defer like jane can you take notes for this well why should jane take notes why can't jim take notes or why can't anybody else take notes why are you just assuming that someone is going to do it you're just i mean we're just continuing to play into these these ideas and these roles because they're like and then the the argument there is well i'm just i'm just not good at taking notes she's so good (laughs) at taking notes like they're so detailed so organized i think she's just to use your word hardwired to 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 make the notes this way and it's like no no I think anybody can write good notes if you if you have enough practice, but that's getting in the weeds. But you start seeing it everywhere, and like you know the the Bechtel test. I think if I'm saying that correctly, with media, as far as like maybe that's not the correct test, but it's um, um the idea of the, the the rule. No, I think I'm I think I'm getting my uh, my thoughts incorrect, but I will describe it, and perhaps you can <laughs> tell me what it is. This idea of like how long in a movie or a TV show does it go before two women characters are discussing something that is not male centric? So are they discussing like something in general that has nothing to do with any of the men involved at all? And how long in the movie or does it ever, does it never have it? And, and putting a lot of uh, movies and shows uh, up against that rule and that test uh, from especially like the action movies of the mid two thousands that I used to watch um, uh, quite sobering, I would say quite, (laughs) quite sobering that it fails spectacularly. Um, Quite, quite honestly. But I think, you know, getting back to, to, to your point about this kind of systemic gaslighting that we have, you have um, uh, an example of fairy tales. So you talk about um, how it's so ingrained in us that we read these stories to our children and start the, this idea of role division and, and gender division based on just bedtime stories. So you talk about the three feathers and how there's this king and the three sons and, and he's trying to divide his kingdom. So I'd love for, for you to kind of walk us through this idea of stories that we tell our kids, such as the three feathers, how that plays a, a pivotal role in the foundation of this almost um, societal gaslighting that we 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 um, indoctrinate ourselves in un, unwittingly. Yeah, so so we, we of course we tell our kids a lot of stories and there's a lot of stories that we read, fairy tales, things like that. There's a lot of movies, there's a lot of things that we think of as legacy entertainment. I go I, as you know in in father figure I, I I deconstruct Star Wars a bit. Not that I'm not a fan of Star Wars, but it, it, need, it needed a little deconstruction. Yes. Um, <laughs> um, yes. And and so I so I have a, I have a chapter about that. But all of these things, what they do is they have certain. Um, 
roles. And all of those roles um, are telling our kids things that they should aspire to, right? Yeah. So if, if you give, uh, if you read a, a, a girl a story about a princess, then that girl is going to think she's supposed to aspire to be princess-like, right? So aspire to be like the protagonist of that of that of that story. Now, most girls are not going to be princesses, uh, and so therefore, they you're you're actually setting them up for failure by giving them this <laughs> this aspirational image. Most girls are not going to look like the the girls that you see on on television. And, and I'm saying girls on purpose here because I'm talking about the teen girls right. and, and tween girls. I'm not talking about the women yet, right? Uh, um, the oversexualized, you know, Disney stars, right? There, most are not going to look like that when they're twelve. 12 and, and, and 13. And so they, what they do is they, uh, th they internalize a sense of inferiority. Yes, they're aspiring to it. Yes, they try try to live up to it, but they start to experience this sense of inferiority, this inability to reach what looks like it, what they're supposed to be if they were good at being a girl. Same thing happens for boys, right? We have a million images of, of so-called masculinity. It's a kind of tough masculinity. It's a, it's, a, it's a version of manhood that is very violent, even if it's not physically violent. It's very dominant. It's very sort of, uh, you're supposed to try to be the alpha, right? You're either the alpha, you know, you, you just think about about cartoons um I, it's the one that just came to mind is like phineas and ferb right you're either phineas which means you're the star right or you're the the, the brainy brother or you're the the or you're the fat bully or you're or you're the or you're the far the the foreign nerd right right, right? Yeah. so like everybody wants to be the phineas character but only some people can be so everybody else feels like they have to aspire to be that and they can't reach it. Right. Um, and, 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 and so they start to find all their things that make them more like the sidekick to be aberrations, to be problems, to be things to be ashamed of. This is what was what we're talking about when we talk about toxic masculinity, right? There's this sort of loop of shame because no, almost no man ever achieved the level of uh, of so-called dominance alphaness that is set up as the ideal. So they're running around always feeling like they have failed, right? right? And they're not quite manly enough. And that becomes shame, which then becomes anger, which they then take out on anyone they can take it out on, which is the people weaker than them. And we get this cycle of shame. And then if you're a gender non-conforming or a trans person, you're just not in most of those things. So you think you're just totally wrong and invisible, right? right? Because there, there's no image of you, any, 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 anywhere again we can also bring this up in ter in terms of questions of race and ethnicity where the representation is right right if you're if you're a if you're a young African-American boy and almost all the heroes are white men, you're just basically grow up knowing you can't be one of the heroes. Right. Right. Um, right because that's none of you've never seen an image of a hero like that. Now, I'm sure there's people listening. You're going to be like, you know, mention Will Smith and point out that there are a few outliers where that where that where that trend has been. And that's true. There's always outliers to anything that we're talking about. But ultimately, the majority of things are still showing this white male strength as the ultimate and everything else as lesser than. And so what happens is everybody feels shame. By the way, even if you get to the top of that 
heap, right? Even if you're the man who gets to the top of the of the hill, I, I'm thinking about the game um, King of the Hill. Did you play that as a kid? Yes. I played that. As, right. Yes. Someone just stands on a hill and everyone tries to push them off. Yes. Right? <laughs> right. Even when you get to be the one at the top of the hill, you don't you still don't even feel like you've succeeded if you're if you're if you're a man. And exactly. as evidence of that, I will just use our former president, who even with all the power in the world, if anyone insulted him, he was deeply, deeply hurt and offended and right. had no sense of of confidence and his confidence had been wounded. And how dare you make fun of, you know, like there was no strength there when he right. So so nobody ever gets to this. Nobody ever gets to this ability to achieve these ideals that that we that we set out. And we start giving those to our kids so early we give it to them in their cartoons we give it to them in their in their video games we give it to them in the stories we read to them and again there's nothing wrong with creating aspirational images the problem is when the aspirational images are so skewed uh, in impossible ways and yes. and so i i would just like to have images like i'm all for trying to encourage my kids to be better than they are all the time i'm constantly like you know can you be can you be better at what you're trying to do right, right. how can i push you know, that's great we should push our kids to aspire to 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 be more than more than they are at every moment yes. um but but what we shouldn't do is set up um um unattainable ideals that create more trauma and shame than they do build confidence and empowerment Yes. You know, you were, you brought up something that I remembered reading. So I read, I don't know if anybody, so I did fact check myself. The Bechtel test is correct. So I, <laughs> I was correct. I should learn to trust my instincts a little bit more. Um, but the- No one else was going to look it up. You could have just gone, you could have kept going. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but the good thing is I was right. So when I'm right on the fact check, I want to just bring it up in the moment. Um, <laughs> but uh, uh, I read the book Amateur by Thomas Page McBee. So for those who may not be aware, Thomas Page McBee is a trans man and his book Amateur is about uh, both his, his, his personal journey to transition as well as this charity boxing match he's taking place in and like what does this idea of modern masculinity look like and it, it's a good I would say for folks if you're going so let's say this if you're going to buy the perfect Father's Day gift or Parents Day book or whatever after you get father figure a companion piece you could get to it is amateur by Thomas Page McBee and I think uh, it'll it'll be a slam dunk uh, for your gift giving but he brings up a point in there about testosterone does not make people assholes it the perception that we put on testosterone is what makes people act like assholes. So he gives an example of a double-blind study, or not double-blind, but a, a study where they gave half the men more testosterone and half of them the placebo. And he said that the men that were given the placebo started jockeying for position and doing the typical things that we see in pop culture of like starting fights, yelling, kind of really, you know, peacocking around, so to speak. And the men that were given the testosterone were a lot more chill, a lot more relaxed. They felt more confident and more assured without needing to publicly display their dominance, so to speak. And then he used that as an example of like, it's all perception. So tying back into your book, it's the gaslighting that we're giving ourselves of we have to act like this. If we're a man, this is what we do. This is what a patriarchy looks like. This is what society looks like. When in reality, that's not accurate. Like we, we need to understand that we are putting these labels on ourselves and then setting ourselves up for failure simultaneously. So going through the book, you talk about like, well, can I just say oh, one more yeah, thing? Yeah. Well, since you're on testosterone, yeah. uh, I, I think I'll just, I'll just, I just, you know, there's a lot of studies that suggest right now that testosterone levels are actually 
a, a result of your position in the hierarchy, not a determiner of the position mm. in the hierarchy, right? So, so you know, if, if so, if I were to give you a like super high CEO job at a Fortune 500 company, right, there's a good chance that your that your testosterone levels will rise as a result of that um, as a result of that position. Where we often think it's the test, you know, big testosterone makes you exactly. alpha. It's actually the the uh, well, I, I don't want to say it's actually the other way around because they, it's not completely determined yet. Um, but but it certainly is, many studies suggest that. We do know that is true in a lot of other animals that testosterone, you know, if you take, there's a great famous example where they took cichlid fish and they, um, they put, they took the, the one that was the smallest in one tank uh, and they put it in a tank where it was the biggest, and pretty soon it developed all the all the physical characteristics that are associated with being the dominant ones, ex- including high testosterone levels. Wow. Then they then they cut off its balls, um, and it still maintained all of that because oh, wow. it was still the biggest in the tank. That's interesting. right. So it didn't even yeah. it wasn't even it didn't even matter, you know, that like uh, you know wh- whether they whether whether it whether it had testes or not. Right. Um, yeah. That so, is so, fascinating. So, 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 you know, uh, most of what we think about testosterone is, is completely wrong. Um, right. You know, they've been trying to argue testosterone, you know, I, I, I was, st- I took a lot of this out of the book um, just cause it got too sciencey. Um, but, but I did a lot of studying about this. They were eating like bull testicles before they went into battle in like the ancient world, because they somehow believed that by ingesting the testicle of a bull, they would be stronger. Right. There was no science. There was no, no. science there. Right. <laughs> like, and we're still based on that same mythology, uh, um, um, believing those things. And, and as I do say in the book, you know, there's a lot there, there's a lot of estrogen in, you know, there's estrogen and testosterone in both men and women. In fact, you need estrogen in order to have an erection. Yeah. So to stop pretending that estrogen is the female right. uh, hormone and testosterone is the male hormone. Right. Yeah. No, that's a good point. And that's so fascinating when you bring it up in the book. Now I want to, as we're as we're talking about ways in which to to break down these these um, societal these systemic problems and the patriarchy that's been around forever, where do we go from here? How do we start to write a better script? We've we, to your analogy in the book, we've we've knocked over the the pile of blocks. So how do we start building it into something new that we can now shape a new generation with? Yeah. Um, well, well, the, the first thing we have to do is be willing to interrogate ourselves. Right. And, 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 and when I say interrogate, you know, that, that is not just about discovering the places where we are engaged in problematic or troublesome behaviors or, or narratives. That's also an ongoing practice, right? That doesn't, end it's not like once i've identified you know it's not like find your top 10 uh uh patriarchal problems and then you're done right <laughs> right. right right like the, it kind of ne- it kind it kind of never ends and it's and it's this willingness to constantly um reflect and 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 um and be willing to be wrong right to to listen and 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 to um abandon this notion of being the authority right and 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 i as as you know i use in father figure the the term authority in a very literal sense i i connect it to its root autos in 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 greek which is also where we get the word author and authorize and um and it's this idea that you that that i see authority as the ability 
to define the story, to define the narrative. And when you think that you have the ability to define the narrative for yourself and for everyone around you, then you are not listening right um and then you are not flexible and why should you be flexible if you can define everything right like like why learn right, right. Uh, if you you know and by the way another example of of where we start to socialize kids you see this a lot in teenage boys right and there's been a lot of studies that show this and and i read so many of this in my research uh 12 13 14 year old boys that's around when you start to see boys suddenly go go um go oh i don't care about homework anymore I don't give a crap about my homework. I don't care about school, right? And 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 that's because they're starting to try to live into this model of men are so smart we don't need to listen to other people, right? Yeah. Right, 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 right. I don't need I don't need to talk to scientists. Right. I know more than the scientists, right? Right, like that. Right. They're already starting to do that. You see that in twelve and thirteen year old boys where they don't want to admit that they enjoy learning new things. Yeah. Right? I, everyone enjoys learning new things, but yep. they don't want to admit it because uh, admitting you enjoy learning new things means there's things you don't know. And if there's things you don't know, then you're not manly. And if you're not manly, you know, it's like if you have to read the instruction manual before you put together the IKEA furniture, then you're not a real man. Right. Uh, it, it's all yeah. it's all such crazy non nonsense. And so the first thing about where we need to go next is to just like like you're allowed to be wrong. Right. right. And, and right. Like there's there there's there's strength in in, in there's strength in not knowing best. Yeah. Um, there's strength in listening. There's strength in in in, in responding. Um, there, there there's strength in nonviolence. There's strength in non-dominance. Yes. A hundred percent. And well said. Um, that's a perfect point to end this part of the show. So we're going to now uh, pivot to the part of the show called Things to Check Out. So it's a segment where I provide recommendations of someone that I'm reading and listening to, and I ask my guests to do the same, provide listeners with some good recommendations. So I've provided a couple as far as who I'm reading and who I'm listening to, and I do actually have a rare who I'm watching because I think it pairs well. So uh, who I'm reading, I'm actually, now that I finished Father Figure, I'm rereading The New Childhood by Jordan Shapiro because <laughs> I want to I wanna pick up things. So now that my kids are older and are, are utilizing screens significantly more than the first time I read it, I want to kind of have a better um, a better grasp and, and kind of connect the dots a little bit more in a practical sense than, than a theoretical sense, whereas that's how I was reading it the first time. So I'm excited to pick that back up again. Who I'm listening to, I'm actually listening to this podcast that I was just recommended. It's called We Admitted, The Recovering Us Project, specifically episode nine, which just dropped, called We Admitted Heteronormativity Hurt Us. So it's very good. It's a great discussion from uh, Kate and Kat, I believe are the hosts. Definitely recommend that. And then as far as what I'm watching, I recommend Mrs. America, which is on FX and or FX on Hulu is where I saw it. So it's about the uh, the the movement towards the Equality Act uh, with Phyllis Schlafly and um, Gloria Steinem and all of those major players. It is a fantastic um, series. It was a little difficult to watch in the run up to the 2020 election, but it was still very good and I highly recommend it. So, Jordan, who are you reading? Who are you listening to? And who are you possibly watching? Oh, let's see. Um, I just finished reading this incredible book by um, Melissa Phoebos. It's called it's called Girlhood, um, especially if you're if you're I, I'm going to say if you're a father of a daughter, because I assume most of your listeners are fathers, but maybe not. That's not true. So I actually recommend it for everyone. Um, um, but, you know, um, Melissa Phoebos writes this uh, uh, amazing memoir of her experience 
growing up um, um, as a girl, um, uh, becoming a, a woman. And uh, it's all about her, what she calls um, empty consent, places where she felt pressured into sexual things, sexual, sexual um, um, situations that she entered into willingly, but not completely autonomously. Mm. Um, and, and it was just so eye-opening to me. There's so many things in this book where I thought back to myself as like a 14-year-old boy and realized the places where I had done really um, engaged in problematic um, uh, ways of interacting with girls uh, while I was trying to, you know, get some right because yeah. that's how that's not how i would say it now but that is right. how i said it back then right 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 <laughs> um, and you and you realize and the book was just really really you know i i ended up writing uh in my journal for like uh, hours afterwards of like so many memories where i had to acknowledge how many times that i was in sexual encounters that were probably more where, where people consented. I've never been in a non-consensual one. So, right. so where people consented um, probably out of fear, pressure or mm. or to avoid discomfort rather than actual desire. That was a hard thing because that meant I wasn't des as desirable as I had imagined <laughs> sure. myself in my whole adolescent narrative. Right. Um, right. Um, and so that was a really hard shift for me, but I really highly recommend it. Um, 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 especially, uh, I mean, to everyone, honestly, and it's, it's just beautifully written. What am I, I listening to? I've been listening to an album by Valerie June called The Moon and the Stars, Prescriptions for Dream Dreamers. Valerie June, um, I actually don't know. I can't tell you much about her, um, except for that her music is fantastic. She just has this great voice and it's sort of like, bohemian country folk rock with an orchestral back i mean Ooh. it's so, it's so amazing um uh, all her albums are amazing but there's a brand new one called the moon and stars which i've just had on repeat since it since it came out pretty much uh, so so that would be my my listening to recommendation and what am i watching i just started watching on apple tv um dickinson uh, mm. you know which, which, my, which is, my friend which kevin yee is in that Hello? Uh-oh. Yeah, which is very, it's it's very good because, well, you lost me for a nope. second. It'll come back. Oh, you're back. Yep. Where do you want me to take it from so you can edit? You can, so just say, uh, just say Dickinson. Yeah. Um, Dickinson, which is about Emily Dickinson. I've only watched the first episode, but I'm excited to watch the the, the rest of it. Um, um, the only thing is I kind of wish that I could you know, now I'm like, wait a second. That sounds like a really almost um, affectation of an answer to that question where I just gave you like, like, like three, three feminist uh, answers. And like, no, <laughs> that's not all I read. And I'm not trying to, it just happens to be what I'm at this moment today, what I'm, what I'm, what I'm listening to reading and, 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 and looking at. So, you know, I don't want anyone to think like, I'm like hamming it up to be able to like play the, 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 the feminist dad part. <laughs> it's, it's all good. Well, I will 
will say with, with Dickinson, a uh, good friend of the podcast, Kevin Yee, is in that show. So um, shout out to Kevin for uh, his work in Dickinson. So I heard it's good. I heard it from him. So I would assume it's good as well. So I'm excited uh, to check well, it out. Well, you got to trust me more. I'm not in it. Right, exactly. So <laughs> I was excited to hear someone else recommend it. <laughs> All right. Well, the, the final part of the show is the dad joke of the week. So it's a segment where I hurl dad jokes at my unsuspecting guest in an attempt to get them to laugh while the audience groans, but I can't hear the audience. I can only hear my guests, so it works out for me. Uh, but I do like to put my guest on the spot first. So, Jordan, do you have any jokes you would like to offer up today? Hmm, a good dad joke. Let's see. Um, how do you catch a squirrel? I don't know. How? Climb up a tree and grab him by the nuts. <laughs> Will he have high levels of testosterone? <laughs> <laughs> All right. And Jordan, did you hear about the janitors who went to space? No. They had to scrub the mission. They had to scrub the mission. Did you hear about the two radios who got married? No. The reception was fantastic. Am I supposed to like try and not laugh or am I supposed to like be honest? Dealer's choice, right? Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> did you <laughs> All right, let's end it with this one. What do you call a man who can't stand? A man who can't stand. I don't know what. Neil. Neil. Oh, that that one's kind of funny, actually. <laughs> That's All right, we'll end it there. We'll end it there. Well, George, that reminds me of the one my brothers always used to tell. They'd be like, "Did you hear about the the two? Was it? Did you hear about the 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 two guys who walked into a bar? You would have thought the second one would have seen it." <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like it. Well, Jordan, if people want to follow you and see what you're up to, what's the best way for them to do that? Well, you can find out all about me and the father figure at feministdadbook.com. Feministdadbook.com. I don't think I have to spell it. Do I have to? I mean, we already said it's the F word feminism. Right. So no, I think feministdad.com. I think, you know, you'll get it. Um, and then if you want to follow me on social media, please do follow me on social media on the on the Instagram and the and the and the Twitter and the Facebook. And the and I am at Jordosh at all of them. J-O-R-D-O-S-H. J-O-R-D-O-S-H. H. Perfect. Well, Jordan, this has been an absolute delight. I could go on and on and on and on and on, and I cannot wait to have you back on the podcast. Thank you so much. Well, I'm going to hurry up and write another book so we could do it sooner rather than later. Okay? Let's do it. Perfect. Well, listeners, <laughs> you've been detoxing with detox. Now go and make a more inclusive world. If you know of an interesting person or story that needs to be told, please reach out to me at detoxpodcast at gmail.com. That's D-T-A-L-K-S podcast at gmail.com. You can also reach out via Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Detox Podcast, or visit DetoxPodcast.com. Also, be sure to leave us a five-star rating on iTunes if you like the show. It only takes a few seconds, and it really helps us out. Link is in the show notes. Finally, thanks for listening. Please come back next week when we'll have another interesting conversation. And special thanks to my producers, Ben Lawant and Galan Aldaco. Without your help and support, this show wouldn't be possible. Thanks so much, guys. Detox is a production of Vocal. For more information and more programming, please visit vocalnow.com. That's V-O-K-A-L-N-O-W dot com. <laughs>